This is the EWN Podcast Network. When life and business is chaotic, it is hard to see the beauty that comes from it. But I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. I am your host, Ashley Stone, and I am your chaos coordinator. I believe there's always a message in the mess we can experience in our personal lives and in business. So join me on the journey of running multiple businesses, self-caring it up, and designing a life for my family. This won't be just my story. It will be the many stories of remarkable women that have inspired me and will inspire you to discover the beauty behind the chaos. Hey beauties, my name is Ashley Stone and I am your host of Beauty Behind Chaos, where we find the message in the mess. We discuss all the things chaotic, but the beauty that came out on the other side in business, life, and all the things. And today I'm here with a very special guest and y'all get this, you're going to die. This is hilarious. Her name is Ashley Stone. Hey girl. Hey Ashley Stone. Hey. (laughs) I can't believe like this is hilarious. Okay, Ashley Stone. When I even seen your name pop up, I was like, this is weird. I'm doing an interview with myself, aka not myself. Like what is going on? (laughs) Right. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Ashley Stone. Hey, so I'm Ashley, the other Ashley Stone. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I am a mom of four very little children, all aging from uh, three, four, five, and six. So life is super chaotic, but I have been in my industry for 17 years with a network marketing company called Arbonne, and I just absolutely love it. So I'm able to work, and that's kind of how we met we met online, right? We met online. (laughs) We were were like literally the epitome of network marketing without even actually intentionally like connecting on a business level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of explain that story because I was the one that kind of stalked you out. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I read this book. I don't even know the name of it, so I can't even give you the reference, but something along the lines where it was like something about your name and how the power of your name. And oftentimes like what we do is connected to our name. And for Ashley Stone, when I did the research on it, it was like creative, entrepreneurial, artistic, like leadership roles, all of these things, right? And I was just like, okay, that definitely describes me, but like what about the other Ashley Stones in the world? And so I took to Instagram and I searched Ashley Stone. Y'all are all going to go to Instagram now and go find the person that has the same name as you (laughs) because that's what I did. And this is one of the Ashley Stones that I totally followed. And like, I think I slid in your DMs and it was probably weird when it was like friend requests, like Ashley Stone's friend requesting you, but that's how we connected. I loved it. You are a badass leadership, (laughs) like boss entrepreneur person. No, I loved it. I saw this. It was like, at the time it was like Ashley Stone hustle or something. I'm like, who is this? And then I'm like, oh my goodness, it's another blonde like me who's out there (laughs) doing the grinding hustle. Same hair color and everything. Yeah. At the time we even had the same haircut, I think. And I was like, okay, I'm going to follow her. And then, um, yeah, I think we back back and forth in your, in the DMs were like, okay, we have to connect. So I love it. And then like over time, what was crazy is like, it was so meant to be, this is how God works though. Like, like this weird thing happened, we connected. And then at the same time, I was in this place in my life where I was trying to navigate food 
and my health and mental health and all of these things. And I was sharing part of that journey on social media. And to me, this is the power of social media when you share your story and like you kind of share the things that you are struggling with or or whatever. And then someone might see it and have a solution. And you actually reached out and you had a solution. And I actually didn't even realize what exactly you did, right? I knew that you – you know, we're in like the network marketing realm. I didn't know to what capacity, but you initially reached out with solutions and recipes for the food stuff that I was struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I love about social media is that you can, you can find a need that somebody has and, and try to fill that. And, and yeah, I'm so glad that we connected because I've just been loving watching your journey as well, just in all the amazing things that you do. So, so cool. Girl, it's a wild, wild ride. Yeah. But um, with that said, okay, so let's let's just dive in. There's no mm-hmm. there's no like parameters to how we we navigate these conversations, so we just kind of jump in. But um, you said that you've been doing Arbon now for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that story. Like, how did you get involved in network marketing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time ago. It wasn't popular 17 years ago. No, so it was so it was so random. My one of my best friends, who was not really my best friend at the time, she was more like my mom's friend. Cindy had just started in the business. And honestly, my mom hosted a home party for her. She, my mom, it has always been like somebody who supports everybody. So she told my friend Cindy, she's like, I'm going to host for you and I'll invite everybody over. And so my mom called me up and said, like, I'm having a Arbonne party. I had never heard of the company. And I always had a bad taste in my mouth about any kind of like party company. Because back in the day, it was all, that's what it was. We we weren't even on social media. So um, I was always the person that was just like, here, have some money and don't make me come, you know, (laughs) just buy something. Um, And I I didn't wear a lot of makeup. I had really horrible cystic acne. And so I was like, I do not want to go get a bad makeover. And oh my goodness, what is wrong with Cindy? Because her and her, Cindy, my friend, her and her husband had a successful business. And I'm like, oh, bless her heart. You know, I'm from Kentucky. That's what we say. Bless her heart. She must be broke because <laughs> she's doing, she's selling makeup. Like, oh, kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, but I went because my mom was like, just come. And I had no intention to do that. Yeah. I'm so glad I have a pushy mother because I had no intention to get involved, had no intention to buy anything, but it was very different from what I was expecting. And 17 years ago, you know, nobody was talking about like ingredients in the personal care world. Um, It wasn't even illegal back then. Like they didn't even have to label ingredients. So uh, I learned so much that night that really caught my attention. But more than anything, I was kind of in a different position than a lot of 21-year-olds. I was 21 at the time because I was already married. So I got married super young. I got married at 19 years old. And so at the age of 21, I had a mortgage. I had a husband and I had bills to pay. And so when, well, we were on the same wave because I was 20 when I got married yes. and, and <laughs> I had a mortgage and I didn't have I, my son. I actually had my son at 21. So then I, I we threw a kid in the mix, but I was in that same life at 20 years old. Yeah. So it's a different place to be, right? Like you're, yeah. you actually have responsibilities. And so when she started talking about extra money that could be made, um, my mom had actually been in network marketing. My parents have always been entrepreneurs. So my dad started a, a business out of our living room when I was nine and grew it to a multi-million dollar huge you know, business. It's been super successful. And then my mom did real estate growing up. And then they also 
she did network marketing when I was a kid. It, it's actually hilarious. She was with a company that she saw on Phil Donahue. And then Phil oh Donahue gosh, show. Phil Donahue. <laughs> and it was selling lingerie. And so my mom and my grandmother were actually like two of the top people in the whole company. And selling lingerie? selling lingerie. They would go do these home parties at people's houses and they would tell their they would tell the women, um, your husband will not care how much money you spend. Because it's launched. Right, right. <laughs> so they would sell all these great marketing pitch. Yeah, they called them fashion shows. And um, and I actually, back in the 80s, my mom was making like $5,000 a month doing this. And, oh you know, did really well. And we went to Hawaii and went on trips. And then we, we actually moved um, from Kentucky to Michigan during that time for my dad's job. And so without the internet, her business kind of stopped. Because yes. there was no internet at the time. So they were literally faxing in orders and she had no network. So when Arbonne came along and 17 years, you know, or t- 17 years ago, my parents actually were there that night and they said, you know, hey, this would be a great way for you to diversify your income. It's something yes. that you can do. You know, you can make money at it if you work it and actually, you know, do this. And, um, and everything had changed because of the internet. Even even at that time, we, you at least could place your orders online and start to ship yeah. ship direct. So, so I actually signed up that night. I walked up to my friend and I said, "Hey, I'm going to do this with you." And I went home and told my husband I had joined some company, and he was like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> uh, and you know, I kind of blindly went into this as okay, whatever. We all need that those types of husbands. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, <whatever>. Absolutely. <laughs> He always says, okay, whatever to me. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, so I, yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> That's so great. So yeah, I just jumped into it and really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really even understand the concept of network marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I just saw, hey, I can make, make some extra money. And at the time that we were at in life, you know, I said, I just wanted to not cry if the car broke down. You know, I just right. wanted to have an extra $500 a month. And that was going to be life-changing for us because my friend Cindy asked like, hey, how long could you survive on your savings if something happened to your main source of income? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to have savings. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> what are, what are uh, the savings you speak of? <laughs> uh, 10 days? Like that's probably yeah. what I got. Yeah. Um, not long, but I could probably move in with my parents, you know, i um, right. So, so really and truly, I just went into it thinking $500 a month. That's really all I, all I wanted out of it in the beginning. <clears throat> you know, I love that, that concept because, um, that's actually very true to even like in business and entrepreneurship. When I first started my salon, I was 22 and I remember sitting there and like, like I didn't know business. I knew how to make money. I knew how to sell and I knew how to educate people. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, that's really all my focus was not really understanding business. However, it's like a foundational thing to know of like, what is that number? What is that number you want to hit? And right. when I sat in my salon, I kind of high level knew how much I had to make to break even. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, if I just make a hundred dollars a day, mm-hmm. and then I equated that to two haircuts. If I just did that, five days a week, I can cover my bills. And it wasn't even on a matter of like, I'll make money. It was like, how do I break even? Right. Um, and just determining like, what is that need? What is that, you know, thing? And for you, it was, if I just made $500 a month, that's, that's awesome. I think that's like a core basic thing to think of right in the mm-hmm. beginning. So, yeah. So you did that. And so you were, so how long did it take you to make $500 a month? 
Okay, so I was really bad <clears throat> at this for a long time <laughs> because it's so funny. You know, <clears throat> I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had watched my parents be successful, but watching and doing is very different, right? And so when you get into it, I I didn't realize the power of personal growth and personal development. And so, and I didn't really have much of a network because when I started, like I said, I was 21. And so I had my mom and my dad's network, but my personal network, this was before, I think we barely had Facebook, you know, it was before social media and all of my friends were young and broke, you know, they were all (laughs) in their twenties and broke and affiliate marketing wasn't a thing. And so I truly had to like, I went out and did, you know, vendor fairs and would go and just I would go to the mall and just try to strike up conversations with people. And I would go to networking groups, as many of them as I could, and just try to meet people. And it took time. And I remember the beginning of um, when I would go to the conferences and talk to the leaders who were doing really well, they would talk about, you know, well, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading? What are you listening to? And it's, it sounds so stupid now, but I truly thought that I didn't need personal development because I thought that only shy people needed personal development. I I equated personal development to that's for people who are scared to talk to people. And I'm not scared to talk to people. I had been in acting and I was, had been on stage and I, I thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not scared of that. I don't need that. And I always tell people now, if you think you don't need personal development, that's a real telltale sign that you need it more than anybody. (laughs) So um, it wasn't until I really started so, so to back up for seven years, okay, for seven years, I stayed at the first level of our company. Now, I was making about between, I'd say, $400 to $700 a month at that level. So I had achieved kind of my first goal, and I got there pretty quickly, within like three months. Um, okay. But I stayed there for a really long time because I just didn't understand that I had to grow myself. Um, I was really not consistent. Um, I built my business very emotionally instead mm-hmm. of really learning to discipline myself. And just like most people in that start their own business, especially in, in my industry, I let everything distract me that was around yeah. me. And so even though I saw some other men and women who were doing really well and had changed their lives and had grown to the, grown to the top, and I told everybody that was going to be me, Um, Mm -hmm. I hadn't done, I hadn't put in the work and the discipline until, um, every, you know, I kind of had a a really defining moment, like seven, seven years in (laughs) to my business that made me really change the way that I was doing things. So I was, I was actually 10 years into business actually when I, when I realized I needed to same thing, start working on my mindset, start working on other things. And it was um, a few books because I didn't really have any like mentors through those first 10 years of business Mm -hmm. and really anyone to kind of like bounce off of and understand like what I was experiencing. And and that will challenge you on a personal level as well. And so that, that point of personal development in order to achieve the success that you want it goes hand in hand. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to create this podcast too, was just like, it does like, this isn't going to be a a session where we're going to just tell you, here's the 10 tips in business. And this is what made me successful. It's like, you got to do this deep work and this discipline that is like, 
it will break it on a personal level. I mean, it's so beyond just business, but in order to be successful in business, that inner part has to be kind of worked through. And for the first 10 years, I just kind of like was on the surface, right? With everything that I was doing, but it wasn't sustainable. I was constantly hustling and just plateauing, right? Until I started doing that work, but I read it in a book somewhere. And it was basically like, you know, what I realized consistently is that successful people in business, they are disciplined. Mm -hmm. They have, there is a method, there's a path, there's, you know, certain things that are kind of ingrained in them. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I love that you've, you've referenced that because that's a very good point. Yeah. So seven years and then, yeah. um, and then from there, what happened? <clears throat> so it's, it's funny now. I, so seven years in, I wasn't really making a whole lot of money. I was still working for my family's company. They have a manufacturing company and my dad actually one day took me to lunch. My dad is a really successful business person. I really respect him a lot. And he sat me down and he said to me, you know, I really want you to move forward in the family company. <clears throat> and there's a lot of opportunity for you here if you want it. And you can grow, you know, um, in this. And he said, but I want to talk to you something about something. He said, because I feel like, you know, Arbonne, your, your other company is holding you back. He said, you've been doing this for, you know, almost seven years now. And I'm sorry, honey, but you're not making any money. <laughs> and he said, and you know, um, I know that there has been some people in the company that maybe got in earlier, you know, the person, one of my mentors was a doctor and he knew that. So he said, you know, she's a doctor. And so of course she knows people and has done things, but that hasn't been the case for you. And he said, you know, I've learned in business that sometimes we make decisions based on emotion. And I know that you love what you do, but sometimes you have to step back and you have to make a smart business decision. And when I look at at what you're doing from a business standpoint, what you're doing is not working. And so I just want you to think about maybe it's time to let that go. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's great advice. He was so right. He was so right. And it's, yeah. it's, it's funny because at the time it like stabbed me in the heart because, you know, everybody wants their dad to say like, oh, I'm proud of you. You're doing great. And I'm here. He, and I respect right. him so much. As a business like, uh, person. I think we need to let it go. I think it's like you're failing. Yeah. You're doing really yeah. bad. Yeah. So well, I, and, and it's not even necessarily the, vi- the advice of letting it go, but that realization, like that awareness, right, yeah. of someone just saying, hey, take a look at this. And you need to yeah. make a choice. And the choice might not be what you want, right? Right. He was, but you obviously didn't listen to his advice. Yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely right. And I went home and I was crying and I was talking to my husband and I'm like, I don't know why I'm not successful. And he was like, I don't know why you're not either. And so I called my, my friend, Cindy, who she was like one level above me. We kind of both stayed plateaued for seven years. And I was like, I don't know why I'm not successful. And she said, I don't know either. And so I called, so I literally sent an email. I had gone through and I had found the email addresses of all the women that were like higher up above me who they didn't really know who I was, but I had found their email addresses and I copied all of them. And I sent this email and it's like six pages long and it's been used many times in training since because it really is, it's really funny. Um, And at the time it wasn't funny at all to me, but reading it back now, it's true. It truly sounds like I'm trying to be funny because it was so melodramatic. And I was like, you know, I've been in this business almost seven years and I've been doing everything you tell me to do, which is not not true. And I'm not (laughs) making any money and I'm just so tired. And, and, you know, I just think that maybe I'm too young. I don't have a network. I, nobody takes me seriously. I can't find anybody to join me, you know, just 
sob story, sob story. Right. And thankfully, um, one of my mentors above me, Kathy, she uh, had grown a really amazing business. I think at the time her business was doing like two million a month in sales and just crushing it. And she picked up the phone and called me. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, like I was sitting in my car when the phone rang and I was feeling really defeated. And she said, Hey, <laughs> you know, listen, I got your email. Let's talk about this. And she said, I want to ask you a question. She said, what is, what is the system that we teach? And the system that we teach in my industry, which pretty much is across the board, is to have 30 to 40 conversations a month. So 30 to 40 people a month, you're going to share what, what you do and about your product or whatever with. And I knew that because I had heard it a million times. And I, I said that to her. And she said, okay, you say you've been in, in the business for six and a half years, almost seven years. How many months out of all that time did you actually follow the system? And I was like, well, um, I <laughs> don't call me out. Yeah, don't call me out. I'm like, well, and I was so stubborn that I actually went home and found, I'm like, I'll have to get back to you. So I went home and got all my, all my old calendars, you know, we had paper calendars and I counted, like counted trying to find, figure it out. And I had come to the conclusion that in, in almost seven years, you know, I said six months that I had done it. Now, I don't even know if I really had. But so I called her back and I said, okay, six months. And she said, okay, great. Then you out of the seven years. Out of the seven years. She said, great, you've been in business for six months then. And oh, she said, and you really can't even say that really because it wasn't consistent. They weren't consecutive months. Right. And she said, so would you like to make money or would you like to make excuses? Oh. Oh, truth bomb. And I said, Let's go. I said, I'd like to make money. And she said, I'll tell you what to do. I'll give you 20 minutes a week if you will do exactly what to do. And I said, you know what? I'll give you three months. I said, I'll give you three months. And whatever you tell me to do, if you tell me to jump, I'll ask how high. I'll do whatever you tell me to do for three months. And then we'll see where I'm at. And she said, okay. So she began, she gave me 20 minutes um, a week. And I really... I valued her time and her mentorship so much that like I was able, allowed to call her on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And at, at, at like 10.58, I would have her phone number punched in and would and wait, ready to, ready to go because I didn't want to miss one minute of yes. my time with her. And so that is so important. Yes. It, that mentorship and that the, I valued her time. Um, and I did exactly what she told me to do. And just, just began to really, um, I made a decision and I truly made a decision that day forward that I wasn't going to make any more excuses, that I was going to take 100% responsibility for myself, my actions, that I was going to stop, um, doing business out of emotion and begin to discipline Mm -hmm. myself. And within three months, I had totally transformed my business. I had gotten to the next level. Within a year, I had gone to the level after that. Within two years, was at the top of the company. And it really all comes down to um, I began, I, I quit making excuses. And I, I truly have not made one excuse since in my business. I love that. And that's not saying that I don't, haven't had ups and downs, but I take responsibility. It's just taking ownership. Like, yep. yeah, you take responsibility. You take ownership to it. Yeah, I take 100% ownership because I always ask myself, you know, I listened to um, John O'Leary wrote on this amazing book called on fire. And 
he asked the question in the book, you know, what more can I do? And that's whenever things go wrong or, or whatever, I just ask myself, like, what more can I do about this? Instead of placing blame on other people or outside influences, I just made a decision that I was going to, you know, look inward, look at myself and say, okay, things went wrong. I didn't hit the goal. What more could I have done? What could I have done differently to make this better? Or what can I do to get out of this situation? How can I right. change things? And and so, you know, that really has been really key in my success is learning, first of all, making a decision and working on my mindset. And then also just learning that daily discipline and how to stay disciplined even when things get chaotic in life. Right. Exactly. And this was this was all before you had children, right? <clears throat> yeah. When you were kind of going through this process and um mm-hmm. and learning that. And so so with that, I mean it's it's amazing um especially when you have like mentors and then parents that can kind of lead you in some way. It's so important to have someone regardless of where you're at in your circumstances. I've talked to some women, their parents are aren't a part of the picture or you know they don't their parents might not have the knowledge then seek out someone that does or you know a friend you never know who knows what you don't know right and until you start having conversations and connecting with people and then also like admitting and asking for help i think we have such a hard time with doing that mm-hmm. and and we make excuses instead of just being like you know what I'm going to take responsibility for this. I am not hitting what I need to be hitting mm-hmm. and somewhere I'm making that mistake. So what can I do? And then start start asking for that help and figuring out what that is. Right. And I think oftentimes we we don't mm-hmm. and we can potentially, you know, hurt what we're trying to do and in all essence, I mean, the the goal too is never mind just making money, but also living out things that um, we believe in and we're passionate about. And I, I know that to be true with with what you've done. I mean, the way that you showed up and helped me on the level of understanding food. And, and to this day, I mean, it's been a few years. It's been actually like, girl, it's been like five years, oh my four, four or five years. Time flies. Time flies. It's so crazy. But um, I was mind blown like you put me on to um, just some of the recipes and stuff, and I was still kind of learning food and all of that. Um, but what made me trust you, because like multi-level marketing, sometimes people have like, you know, a little – we connected before we even taught, had that conversation, but right. sometimes people automatically shut down and they go, oh, you do what? No, thanks. I'm not, I'm not buying what you're selling, right? Right. And for me, what I love about your approach, and I think this is valuable information for other people that are in this type of industry or any – it crosses over to business in general. Right. You don't want to sell people to sell people. You you want to educate people, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. And I feel like you definitely educated me on food in a time I had a lot of questions and didn't even know I had the questions that I had. Um, some of that I feel like you even stepped up and was sharing things that I was like, I didn't even think about that. Like the ingredients, right? The ingredients that are banned – like Arbonne's pretty incredible in that sense that they ban a lot of ingredients that are, right? What, what's yeah. the whole story with that? Share that. Yeah. So we've banned over 2,000 different ingredients. And, you know, the European Union's only banned 1,200. <clears throat> so even when it comes to personal care, cosmetics, or nutrition, you really have to be a label reader because it's really crazy how little regulations there are, especially in the U.S. The U.S. has banned less than 20 chemicals. That's insane. It's insane. Um, And still to this day. And so, and even today, companies do not have to label everything. 
they can hide things but behind certain words and different things and so natural flavors natural flavors <laughs> animal you know animal byproducts can be hidden under different things and so it's really really crazy um yeah so thank you for saying that because you're so right like the education is so important yeah. and i think that's um i think that's why well that's one reason why you know our industry can kind of get a bad name because sometimes people do look at it just as like in your face sales and, yeah. and really but people approach it that way too, as like, okay, yeah. this is my side hustle to make extra money. Right. And not really doing, putting in that effort of just like really educating yourself so you can educate the person you're selling to. Right. And I think that's the key to how you have success in that industry. And, and like I said, it crosses over to all industries is, mm-hmm. is being able to educate people yeah. and then that converts into sales. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always share that, you know, in my industry, you know, very few people will make it to the top level of companies. We have a huge turnover rate because it's it's low entry, you know, not not a whole lot to get into it. Very yeah. easy to get out of it. A lot of people will do it all the wrong ways and they'll and there's bad companies, there's bad people, you know, all the things. But I always share that, you know, the real estate world, you know, is very similar in that it's very it's it's somewhat simple to get into real estate, right? Like it doesn't take a ton of money to get in and get the classes. You can get your license pretty simply. But did you know that ninety eight percent of all realtors will never sell one home? And <clears throat> that's a high statistic. I didn't know it was that high. Yep, ninety. I'm not surprised, but that's pretty high. Ninety eight percent, and so it's very similar in that people get into it because they see the promise of making a lot of money. And they see that like, oh my goodness, this could be really great. And it's not that hard to get your license. But the reason that so many people fail is the same in my industry in that, number one, you have to have the willingness to to work hard. You have to be willing to get out there and network. But you also have to care about people. And so the Mm. best realtors that you meet are people who, like I love my realtor friends, and they're amazing at really making it about their client, making it about that person. And so people trust, know them, like them, trust them, right? Just like any other industry. And so my industry is no different. And there's, you know, there's bad companies, bad people, whatever, but, but you, if you care about people and you can get involved, it's actually a brilliant way to to do business. It's a brilliant um, marketing strategy. And it's something, it's a way for the average person to become an entrepreneur. Because the right. average person doesn't have sixty thousand, hundred thousand dollars to start a business, which, by the way, is the average cost. Starting really, you're putting. Oh, girl, yeah. I, that's that's the route I always take for some reason, and I'm just like, <laughs> always bootstrapping something, and I'm like, this is I got to come up with something else. This is expensive. Yeah. Um, but with that said, it's almost like what you're doing is putting in that sweat equity, right? It's oh, absolutely. Maybe because like the financial equity, it's it's much smaller mm-hmm. for what you do, but the rest, the other ninety five percent, is sweat equity. And if you're not putting that sweat in then you're not going to you're not going to be successful in what you're doing. Yeah, and that's the problem is that most people who go in and they invest like you've done, okay, let's say you've invested, you know, $100,000 in a business. You're going to find a way to make that work because you have a lot on the line, right? <laughs> I have a lot on the line. You have a lot exactly. on the line and so you got a lot of skin in the game. And so people that go and they open a franchise, a million dollar franchise, they're going to make sure their their doors are open. But yep. people who get into an industry where it costs less than $100 to start a business, they don't have a lot of skin in the game. And so it's yeah. very easy 
to not keep your business open consistently, to not take it seriously, to not treat it like an actual business. And that's what I did for many years. But when I began looking at my business, like, okay, this is a multi-million dollar business and I'm going to treat it that way, everything Mm -hmm. changed. And, and that's, that's really where the, where it lies and where the key is. I love that. That's, I love the crossover. Like it is, it is so cool. Like people don't realize that was one of those like light bulb moments for me because I was in this place for like the first 10 years. Like nobody gets it. Nobody understands. This is like a niche thing that I'm doing and like nobody understands. And I like only I know, and I just got to figure this out myself. Right. And then when I started opening myself up to more conversation, connecting with more people, kind of being in rooms of people smarter than me and learning from them, I realized, honestly, I don't care what industry you're in business is business. And the like core elements of foundational things that you need to know and do it is like, it's viable for everybody. Absolutely. And and that's like – that's a thing that I feel like no one really talks about and you feel like – you people almost feel like they can't – even when you go and network with people um, and you go to networking things, I can't tell you how many times as a beauty professional, especially initially when people hear beauty, they're like hairstylists. I already have a hairstylist. And like I've been like totally written off by people right. in like a networking event or any type of event where they just automatically assumed who they thought I was. And didn't, you know, she's got nothing for me. I already have a hairstylist. So I'm not going to talk to her. And like, it's a quick conversation, move on to the next. And I was really discouraged by that. I never liked networking. I never liked going to networking events. Mm-hmm. They made me super uncomfortable. They still sometimes do. And I still have that chip on my shoulder that I need to get out of like the hairdresser box. Like I don't want to get put – because then next thing you know, I'm stuck in a corner giving someone a hair consultation <laughs> right. that doesn't even really want to be my client. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just needs advice and then she's going to go tell her hairstylist. And I'm just like, wait a second. Right. Yeah. And that kept happening time and time again. But then when I started having confidence in myself and not having that chip on my shoulder and just walking in and just being who I am, not the title mm-hmm. – Next thing you know, I was building connections with people and like really connecting. And it didn't matter the industry that you were in. There were these crossovers in in um in like a just like have what's the word um connection is is one of them, but like in common. Like you realize there's this like crossover and things in common. And then I I'm a hairstylist that talks to fifty thousand people all the time behind my chair. I might be a good reference for you. Right. So you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. th- that's what my thought process at, at first when I started going to networking things, and then from there as I built my business, I it, it became you know more things I needed resources for. So mm-hmm. it's like you never know what some where someone is or what they need, and right. so that judgment should come down, and that chip should come down too when you go and engage with people. How how you engage with them? Yeah. I love that. that. (laughs) That's so true. I used to go to all these networking events and I was like, definitely the small fish in the pond. Like people just were like, oh, she sells lipstick, you know, and it kind of became a joke in the, in one of the networking groups I was going to, they called it a lipstick referral because they couldn't come up with anything to give me. So they'd be like, oh, I need to get a lipstick. So (laughs) they couldn't figure it out. And so, but I was very young in the beginning of my business, um, like actually young. And then didn't have a lot of connections, but it's funny because years later, I've stayed connected to a lot of those people and I'm very well connected now. And right. I know a lot of people and I've been able now to go back and um, make connections for some of those people and likewise. And so, yeah, you never, mm-hmm. you never know where someone is and you never know who they know and you never know yep. where they're headed. 
And so that's why just building those relationships is so important in business and in life, like just to build relationships with people. And you just never know. Um, You know, I always say, were it not for my business and the relationships I built, I wouldn't have my kids today, which is a whole Mm. nother story. But, (laughs) you know, um, we're going to touch on, I know, (laughs) I know I'd love to be here for hours because I could talk to every one of my guests forever, but like (laughs) we are going to have to jump in. So that might be, that might be the segue. So finish your thought, but we're, we're going into that next. Okay. I feel like that's a story. Yeah. No. So that's, so that's the thing. It's, it's all about relationships and making those connections. So I was just totally agreeing with you that, you know, you really shouldn't discount anybody. You shouldn't, you should never, um, you should never hold back on forming a relationship with someone because of what you think they cannot offer you because you just never know down the line where that connection can go. And maybe there's somebody that you're going to help down the line, but it's really just, um, about making those connections. So true. So, okay. So now I need to know this story because I've been watching your journey from a distance and I know that you have these four beautiful, amazing little babies. I love how you share that whole, um, just mom life, but you like, you dove into mom life. I I, I want you to touch on that the way that you dove in. Yeah, we dove in. So, so it's pretty cool. I, um, when I kind of got serious about my business, I had actually earned a trip. One of the trips I earned was on a Caribbean cruise. And I met one of my um, now really good friends there, Sybil. And we had made a connection because even though we weren't, you know, she wasn't on my team, I wasn't on hers, we went up to the same person. And we were both kind of at the same place at the time in our business where we were doing well, but we wanted to kind of catapult ourselves to the top level. We were like one level from the top level of the company. And so we began a, um, a, a, a partnership with each other and I could do a whole <clears throat> training just on that, but we decided to be accountability buddies and accountability partners. And we started very, um, structured. So once a week we started talking to each other and we shared our numbers, we shared our personal sales, we shared how many people we were talking to that week. Um, and we began doing that once a week and then it turned into like every day. And we actually grew together. We would kind of had a healthy competition and we'd be like, where's your numbers today? Well, okay, I'm going to go do $10 more. And we would kind of grew together. We began pooling all of our resources. So we began, you know, if we were going to do something, we're like, okay, you make the flyer, you write the verbiage. Okay, you do this training, I'll do this training. And we just combined forces and we actually qualified for the top level on the same month, did it together. We, we, our upline who was above us, we, we helped her promote out um, two people to the top level of the company within one day. And so we're still really good friends, but in building that friendship, um, she actually, Sybil began, she had four biological kids and she, her and her husband became foster parents. And, um, at the time I watched her become a foster parent and get this amazing little boy in her home. And my husband and I, at the same time, kind of, we were, we were very private about it. So we didn't tell anybody, but we had actually been trying to have kids for like four or five years and nothing was happening. And we had gone to some fertility treatments and different things. And then we kind of just came to the conclusion that like, you know what, we're just going to live our lives. We're not going to stress about this. And maybe someday we'll adopt or do something, or maybe one day I'll get pregnant. And actually my friend Sybil called me up one day and said, you know, you should adopt this little boy that she had. <laughs> Cause she wasn't, oh. she actually wasn't trying to, um, 
adopt. She just was just fostering. And so okay. um, she called me up one day and she was really worried about what was going to happen to him. And it because be- it became very clear that reunification with his family wasn't going to happen. And so she said, mm-hmm. you and Jake should adopt him, my husband. And I was like, well, let me talk to Jake. You know, it was like she asked me to go to dinner. Let me call him, see what he says. Jake says whatever, because we already know that. You know, that's what Jake said. Okay. And so we like, so blindly that by that night, we had signed up for foster classes. Oh my gosh. We, we just jump into things. We had signed up to become foster parents. We went through the whole process. And fast forward, long story short, um, it, by the time we went through all the classes and got approved, they told us, we're not going to work with you t- towards adopting this guy, beca- this little guy, because um, we were in a different county. And they didn't tell us any of that uh, all, all along the way. They said, oh, yeah, this will be great. This will be great. And what? so we went all the way through the process and said, we're ready. We're ready for him. And they said, no, 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 no. You're in a different county. We're not going to facilitate this. So, oh my God. Yeah. So we were really heartbroken, but by that time we already knew what we knew and we knew that the state of Kentucky, where we are is the number one state for child abuse and neglect in the entire country. And we have over 10,000 kids in foster care currently. And so we thought, okay, well, you know, let's just move forward. And so, um, we did. And then you know, one day, a few months later, we were actually in Jamaica on another trip I had earned. And we were laying in a cabana, like drinking mimosas, not realizing our life was about to change. <laughs> 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 um, and by that time, we had been married 15 years. And so oh my gosh. we were pretty settled. And But we got a call from the social worker. I had actually turned on my phone to check into my flight. And we had missed 15 calls from her. And wow. she said... Um, that she had a group, a sibling group um, of three girls that needed a home. And at the time they were ages four months, 14 months, and two. Wow. And I was like, but we asked for one. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) And she was like, well, I know, but, you know, I just, um, there's a lot of people that have passed on it and we're getting to the point where we're going to have to split them up. And we really hate to do that. And so I was like, okay, hold on. So I got off the phone and I like ran, yeah, ran back to Jake. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I, Sybil was on the trip too, my friend. I ran and found her on the beach and I was crying. And, and my husband, of course, is like, okay, we should do it. And I'm like, wait, 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 we need to pray about this. Like, like pray about this. So he starts praying out loud on the beach and he says, Please help us to take care of these three girls. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Punching him in the arm. I'm like, I'm not praying if we should even do it. Like, <laughs> we, like he had already decided. And so, um, so anyway, we said yes. We flew home. And two days later, they dropped off three babies to us. <laughs> oh, my I had gosh. no idea what we were doing. And then one year later, um, the biological mother actually had another baby. And so we went and picked him up from the hospital. And so we had four under the age of four. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so we've been super fortunate that we, it took three years of going through the foster care system, but we were able to adopt them, uh, in September of 2021. 
Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I my my face hurts from just smiling and listening <laughs> because I have literally like we've never really gotten a chance to sit down and like talk. It's been it's been a long time. The last time we sat down and talked on a, like a Zoom call talking about like our food and eating right, and right. stuff <laughs> in Arvon and while I'm like navigating how to like detox. Right, and, um, right. And so, like, since then, I've literally just watched your life through social media. And I have to say, and again, just going back to the power of sharing your story and just the impact I'm sure you've probably had on other women watching. So I must have known you for at least five years because I knew you before this all happened. Yeah. And I watched it kind of unfold. And from a distance, I could just say, like, I was so incredibly proud of you. And just I knew how – I mean, I don't have – four children. I had two. Right. And, and like, that's hard enough. Right. And then to just get thrown in. I mean, I love that you guys were in a stable place to be able to take in the kids and that you have this husband that is so supportive Mm -hmm. and, um, you continued pressing on in your business and having the kids there. You, you posted a, a photo actually recently and like you were, it was, I don't forget the context, but I mean, you can look at the photo and you know, but or it was a video, and the kids were all in the shower, like <laughs> playing and getting like dirty, and you were right there with your laptop next to it, and it's yeah. like this is how. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I work from home. Yeah, yeah. You just contain them in the shower with their bathing suits on or whatever. Let them play like with messy stuff, and that's how I get a lot of work done. <laughs> so. I, I'm like, I'm sorry, but that was brilliant because then they're not messing up the house. You know, they're in there just like have at it, right? <laughs> right. It's, filthy as you need to with all the paints and whatever it is. But that is just so true, that juggle of like mom life and business life. I mean, there's so many crossover, personal development. There's so many crossovers that it's – I like to just tell people like this is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It is not just a job, uh, a business you're starting or whatever. It is a lifestyle. You are choosing a lifestyle and it's going to cross over into every facet of what you do. Mm -hmm. And – but it can be done, right? It, It can be done. Don't don't give up on that dream. Don't give on, up on that business or or whatever it is your heart is set to, um, because you are whatever circumstances that you're in. Right. Um, you can overcome it. So so um, before we wrap up, because I know, like I like I said, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. <laughs> so and I say this to every guest, I want you to come back because I, I want to dive <laughs> in good. even more. Yeah. And if there's like a specific topic you want to cover, like let's do it because there's just so much knowledge here and yeah. um, sharing with with my guests. So so I appreciate that. But um, so in wrapping up, if you just want to kind of – whatever it is you want to share in this moment, like that would be a message that you want to share or about your business, what you do, whatever it is, this is your moment um, to share exactly that. So what you got? Yeah. So <clears throat> I just want to encourage whoever – you know, especially women who are listening to this, you know, I think it's important to have a plan B in your life. And I always say a man is not a financial plan. <laughs> I think that came mm-hmm. from Susie Orman or something, but um, <laughs> I probably, yeah, probably, I, I actually love my, you know, love my husband. He's such a hard worker. I think it's, you know, not to take anything away. I'm not a man hater, but I do think that um, as women, especially, and as moms, you know, having a way that you can have a plan that that you can support yourself if impact were to hit or a way that you could, you know, be able to maybe, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have to go out and start a business, but maybe you can just think about, do I have a plan for impact, prepare for impact? 
And that was a message that was given to me years ago that I really stand behind. Um, our former our retired president of our company used to say it all the time, prepare for impact, prepare for impact. And impact can be good and it can be bad. Like sometimes we have really bad impacts that, you know, things that impact us in life. We have a death in the family. We, we get, you know, a medical scare. We get um, financial things that change. You know, we all went through a global pandemic <laughs> over the last few years. Like everybody has had impact. And then sometimes you have good impacts. You find out you're pregnant. You, you get a call for three kids, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but are you prepared for that? And that's kind of the message that I love to share out to the world is, are you prepared for the unknown? And if the answer is no, then, you know, that's really what led me to looking into doing what I do in looking into having, you know, people call it a side hustle, whatever you want to call it, in that I knew even at 21, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for that unknown bill that was going to come. Um, and so I wanted to do something. And then being able to do something that you can find passion in and find excitement every day is really, um, is really special. So, you know, and you, and sometimes when I started, I didn't know what I was doing it for, really, other than $500. But now I know that all the reason why I stuck with it all those years and stuff was, you know, I, I got my kids and um, I, we wouldn't we would not have been able to say yes to to that had I not done the work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you're at in life, think about it's not about today. It's about saying yes every day to, to you know, the new opportunity that comes your way, saying yes to being disciplined each day so that someday there's going to be a yes that you're that you're going to want to say yes to uh, and it might be a big one and in that moment you'll know why all the work was worth it and so that's just the message I want to leave everybody with today I love that and you know I have to say and being authentic to my whole process of this podcast life and interviewing people that is the first time I threw that to someone right at the end to say what you got and I kind of knew you would have something great so that was that was a really great message thank you so much for sharing that Ashley thank you for sharing yourself and your story and um and just who you are because uh, the way that you show up again um whether it's on this podcast or in social media y'all check her out follow her um we'll plug all of those details in the description as well um and like check out all the women that we're we're connecting with because there's just definitely something that someone can take away but you guys are also so the women that I bring on here are also transparent on social media and I think um following your journey I think there's so much more to continue to learn and be inspired by so I will keep following and fangirling Thank and you. all of the things. I'm so glad I found you on Instagram. Me too. That was that was that was brilliant. God knew what he was doing for sure. <laughs> Thanks. All right, me. guys. Well, we will wrap up here. Um, another episode on Beauty Behind Chaos. We are doing it. I am working out the kinks. Actually, most of the kinks have been pretty worked out. So things are going smooth these past couple episodes, which is exciting. And um, the momentum is going to, it's starting to happen. I'm starting to feel it. And I'm starting to even see like the full purpose of what I believed existed in this thought of beauty behind chaos and seeing it come to light through these stories and through me sharing. I mean, it's, it's been an incredible journey already and I'm learning and growing right alongside with you guys. So um, again, thank you guys for listening and um, we will see you guys next time. As always, be beautiful, be you, be bold. All the things I just said that all backwards. Be bold, be beautiful, be you. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for kicking it with me until the end. If this episode inspired you, share it with a friend because when we learn, we live. 
and we can all use a pick-me-up. I would love to see if you benefited or enjoyed this episode. Use the hashtag beautybehindchaospodcast. See you next time, beauty.